Welcome to Let's Continue the Conversation. Some conversations are inherently difficult to have, especially when they involve race, diversity, and inclusion. I'm Lizzie Morris, and along with my dear friend and co-host, Trisha Broderick, we're here to continue these conversations. We want to see our corporate spaces all over the world be truly inclusive. But for that to happen, everybody needs to be recognized as beautiful in their own right. I am a beautiful person. You are a beautiful person. Let's continue the conversation until the whole world understands this. It starts here, one conversation at a time. Let's connect so that we can collaborate to bring about the necessary change to make our world a beautiful place for all humans. If you are finding yourself motivated and inspired, learning something new, or a fan of the show, let us spread the message together. Help us to do that by screenshotting this episode, add it to your Insta stories and tag us at Let's Continue the Conversations. And on Twitter, tweet away, Let's Continue the Conversations and tag us there. It's time to continue the conversation. Let's get started. Lizzie and I have known each other for several years now, and we've had We've had discussions from everything of super trivial <laughs> comments to really deep discussions about racial inequities as to gender dynamics, to challenges and things. And it's really been almost like a relationship where no topic was uh-huh. off the table. And when we have conversations, they go really serious and really ridiculous all at the same time in, in both good and challenging ways. And I was talking with, we were just checking in with each other and and I was talking with Lizzie recently. And at one point she responded with this, this is what I wish people could, could hear or see is this conversation and maybe smartly, maybe dumb. I don't, I'm not sure Jerry might be still out. I went, well, why can't they? Let's just put it online and, and let people kind of voyeur or, or watch or observe and with no real intention other than just continuing the conversation as this is complex and challenging topics and no two people, no one conversation is going to fix it all, but that we have to be able to have conversations. And so we thought, well, why not share it and highlight the good, the bad, the ugly, the meta of what's happening? At times, I might very specifically kind of go, hey, this is what's going on for me internally, and and that's hard, and own that visibly, and, and basically highlight how we have kept our conversations going and how grateful I am to Lizzie for that and her friendship. So, Lizzie, today's topic is what? Microaggressions. And what does that mean <laughs> for you? It means little needles that you politely poke and don't realize you're poking them, hopefully. See, my, my well intention is that you don't realize you're doing it. I would say people who probably have the gene of sarcasm are probably better at microaggressions just in generally. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're particularly geared or packaged in a racist way. But people who are sarcastic are very good at microaggressions. I mean, you should watch me and my sister go at it, right? <laughs> very good. It's like, you know, have you changed your contouring? Lately? Me? <laughs> no, that would oh, be like. I was like, I'm like, question. wait, see, I'm so, that's <laughs> part of the problem is, is I, I, it goes like right over my head half the time. 
That would be like a microaggression because I know my sister doesn't wear makeup. Oh. As in saying, your cheeks look a lot bigger than normal. Have you put some weight on? (laughs) So so help me with this for a second, okay? Because I am familiar with microaggressions in general, okay? And that, you know, my, when I think of a microaggression, I, I think of like almost the passive aggressive kind of compliment, but not, but really highlights bias kind of thing. Like, oh, you look beautiful today, you know, for a black woman, right? Like, or that's that added extra instead of like, oh, I love your hair. There's always that extra. When I hear the word microaggression, I kind of always think that, but I wouldn't have necessarily thought the contouring just because someone didn't wear makeup, unless is it because you know it bothers her? Right, right. Because I know my sister likes hope she doesn't ever see this. Like my sister has always been extremely, extremely fine and chiseled, just always, you know, like a size nothingness type of thing. So after having kids, there's some weight she carries that I have never seen my sister overweight in my entire life. It hasn't happened. So there's things she would normally do, like really get fit, but now she's just kind of not doing anything. So the comment about the contouring, because she's very conscious, she does what is like, you know, what happened with the whole gym situation and the machine you bought over there? But I'm not saying what happened with the gym situation or what happened with the machine. Instead, what I'm saying is, oh, maybe you start doing some new contouring. And so me as a completely out of the loop, I wouldn't notice it or anything. I'd be like, did she? <laughs> like, I even thought you were like, did I? Did I? Have I done something? Like, right? Around the room. Right. So that is the point when microaggressions happen. A lot of people will never notice it apart from the person who's been poked, right? The focus of the aggression will notice it, but others won't, which is why it's, it's like lastly called micro. So you can't, you're not necessarily going to get somebody coming along and even standing to your defense over it if they don't know it's there. And if you're in a room with other black females or men, they'll have heard it they're not going to want to address it. Why? Well, I think it's so funny. We, we, we touched into this a little bit when we had the panel with women in Agile, right? And See, we talked I knew about, it would come up. <laughs> I would hear about it anyways. <laughs> right? It was the concept that you're always very cautious about knowing which side your bread is buttered on. That's a kind of a British way of saying it. Don't want to set up problems for yourself. Okay. So it's better to not say anything than to say something and then be labeled for saying something. Because what I do find is when, bear with me for a second on this, Uh right? Because I don't want to trivialize it by any means, but like there's almost two categories of microaggressions in that there's the, I'm doing this to be, to give a little cut, right? Like I'm making the state. And then there's the ones that you don't even know it's your unconscious that's saying it. So if you call me out and it was my unconscious bias, still not okay, still doesn't matter, right? But I find that when that scenario happens, the reaction is much more like, what, what, like, this is my background, this is my intent, this is like what, almost denial, defense strategies, right, to it. Mm -hmm. And so I can see where then it's possibly problematic of then, do you want that emotional labor of having to help that person even recognize that they did it on top of it? 
in my mind, right. but if you hear something, just say something, right? But I think the problem is that for the person who's being mean and just doesn't want to call out that I'm highlighting you didn't work out, right? That's one thing. But it's the people that are like, but now you're insulting my integrity that I did something racist that I didn't actually do. And there's a whole nother effort then on your part if you did call me out on it. Is that true? Yes, that, that is true because then there comes the labor of education. Every black female or black male has not signed up to be the educator of all things blackness, the walking lexicon. Everybody's not signed up for that. Um, Nor should they be by any means, yeah. Yet, there is the need sometimes to do it, to pay it forward. Which comes back again to something we were talking about, I think maybe last week or maybe it was before. But we talk about this all the time, the idea that every time you achieve, you're still carrying the weight of your race on your shoulders. Yeah, we did talk about that. So you're paying it forward to be able to help make it easier for somebody else coming to not have to become the teacher because now this person's educated and they wanted to be. I stayed over for, I guess, the afterglow or the after drinks when everybody had kind of left. And then it was the conversation that nobody wants to leave just because there's, <laughs> I've had many of those in the last couple of the weeks that you're just right. like, so no, it was that. there was where I think I saw the true hearts of a lot of people, the real, you know what I mean? One person who allowed themselves to be vulnerable was, and this is bad. It's because she's new to me and I have a face. Maybe it's better to not, maybe it's better to not say her name though. So, um, yes. So I'm not going to say her name, but she brought out of me a vulnerability that I take for granted. So it was really cool. It was really cool. Right. Because it would almost be like a great scenario to show. Right. Because when you look at most blacks, not all, because not all, but most, everybody, I would pretty much say, has a culture at some point that's steeped in religion. Even if they're not involved, there's somebody way back who brought them to Sunday school, somebody who was a preacher in their family. So it's tied in them somewhere. So the speech, the lexicon is always God based. Look at all the superstars who you know don't go to church. But I first want to cry, thank Jesus Christ for this opportunity. I want to thank my Lord and Father. Because you understand what I'm saying? It, because it's part of the, it's a culture thing, right? All of that. Um, and when they brought that out, they said, I'm not comfortable with religion. And I hate that I feel I have to be. But it just seems that's always coming at me. And I said, oh my gosh. I wouldn't have thought about that because I thought about a, a presentation that happened that was quoting scriptures and do you know what I mean? But it's just a part of the authentic person. But you don't think about that as a trigger for somebody else. That now you made somebody else feel really uncomfortable. And that was such a for me. And so I thought while I was watching a lot of these women have these about race, I had one. Now that's going to make me super more cognizant of things I say and how I articulate something. So I don't trigger anybody in that sense because it's not a trigger I thought about. That's, I think, the scariest part. And I mean, for the new people, I owe my background. It's actually maybe what's helped me is I grew up in an environment that was 
willingly triggering of people, <laughs> like not great. Um, and it's still not great in, in many forms and fashions. And so as I learned and as I got educated, as I went away to college, I pretty much always had this like, ooh, have I done something wrong? <laughs> like help me learn, you know, like, and, and I'm grateful for my past and my friends. But I think that, that I still, even today, will have this overwhelming, like, I don't want to hurt anybody. And I don't know when, like, I had something come out of my mouth the other day and I went, oh, hi there. I saw, I heard you. Like, I, ooh, that was a grandparent right there. I heard that, like, um, coming out at me. And I think that's where it can get really scary for keeping this conversation going is this, if I don't know always consciously what is a microaggression. And I don't always know if it's triggering somebody. And somebody asked me after our last round, they're like, Trisha, aren't you afraid of being a Karen? Who's a Karen? Well, the viral Karen videos. Have you not seen Uh, Karen videos? Yes. Okay. So so like, it was very whispered to me, like, you know, aren't you afraid if you say something, you could end up as a Karen video. And I'm like, well, here's the problem is, is I'm not afraid. I know I'm going to say something triggering or wrong or those things. And I don't want to put that on anybody to correct me, but I also don't know what I don't know. And so that can cause a lot of fear, but my fear of not learning, my fear of not engaging is greater, right? And so I'm willing to put myself there. And I genuinely believe you don't become a Karen because you said something inappropriate and wrong. You become a Karen when you double down on it. Like when you go crazy eye and like you like go, no, I'm not having anything to learn. And so the minute anybody would be like, no, Trisha, that's not appropriate. I'm like, tell me, tell me more. (laughs) I'm like, I'm sure I did something wrong. Right. But that's, I think the hard part I experienced today. And even with the amount of learning I've done and things like that is, is still going, you can almost become paranoid and terrified that prevents you from wanting to engage in any conversations. What if I do hurt you, right? Like, what if I do trigger? And because I accept and recognize and honor that that's not your place to have to educate me, what if you never say anything, right? Like, and then what if it hurts? And I can get into those kind of bad path scenarios, the what's the risk scenario that right. will lead me. And then I've watched this happen to others. And the only thing I can kind of highlight back is I have to be more afraid of not having the conversation than more afraid of what could happen in the conversation. Right. And I think, so correct me if I'm wrong. And some of this is because I do try and show that willingness to learn and things, does that make it safer? Is that one? Of I, think it, that- it do- I think it does. There was, there was one lady that she touched my heart so greatly because Every time I watched her, she was thinking it really through. Before she said anything, she didn't want to do any harm. And at one point to everybody, I was like, everybody, take a wooster. You know, give yourself a hug. You've done really good. You are not going to get this perfect overnight. But your intentions are so much more loud than your current words. Not that it negates the impact. It doesn't, but it, it, like I said, it's louder. So if you think about a music mix, right, there's times where you can hear the soprano really loud. And there's times when you're hearing all the drums over everything. It's like, you hear the rest, but that's what you're hearing. So right I now. I could actually follow that, but then a part <laughs> of me did go, oh, I so wish I could sing like you. 
<laughs> like I had this, my momentary listening block went up in comparison of like, oh my gosh, I wish I could sing like you. But I did actually follow that analogy. And so loud right now is intention. And intention will make me open up to you. So there were things that we all said on that panel that I know you would never have got me to say years ago. There is no way. Absolutely would not say that. And yet, we're talking about comparison. I felt so washed out black when I listened to Yolanda own all of her blackness. And I'm like, I need to grow up to be like that. That's how I felt. And again, you know, you're not supposed to compare yourself because you are who you are, but I still admire it. I think Yes, I admired it so much. And I thought, well, I'm getting older as I'm getting older, I guess. And, you know, I mean, I'm having this stuff. I'm doing this stuff. Wouldn't have done this stuff years ago. So maybe it's age now, you know, I'm coming with the program. I'm slow. I'm slow to the train, but I'm definitely at least, you know, at the train stop. It was so interesting. One thing I hadn't thought about externally. So inwardly have had the thought was that so many times people will try to treat every black person the same when we have so many varying cultures behind black. And that panel was so hilarious because you had your Southern black female, you had Jamaican, now American female, you had a British American female, and you had me. Wow, what a way to show different black females are representative. So you can't give them all the experience. Some things will bother some, some things won't. So what might not trigger me we just might trigger way. somebody we else. Put that on a track and then so I can just replay it every time someone brings up a topic to discuss and someone inevitably says, well, my one black friend said, like, and I just want to, I'm like, get a second one because it might help you. Second, I'm just like, seriously, stop overgeneralizing with it. That just triggered me because I that has been like the res- main response thing I've had to have conversations with people multiple times. Like, and I am not kidding you, each time is the, I heard from a black person that they didn't have an issue with. I was like, Listen to your words. A black. I don't want someone from the KKK speaking for me. It drives me bonkers as to why the that dynamic of non-white is just generalized as one and yet white is not. And I I'm so tuned into that lately. I'm starting to kind of understand it's that that's the emotional label. And then and then I really do get it from a you know, a black person going, I don't know if I want to invest in that because I'm tired and I'm only been really challenging myself to speak more in a workplace environment. And, you know, over the last year, year and a half, you've been dealing with this your entire life. Right. And so I can get why the memes are really like, just send a meme, like it just, just send it because it's, you're just tired of repeating it. And even if you want to give some grace, you're just yeah, because I think a lot of people, so like I said, I came to, I've, I've come to the train station late, but a lot of people have been riding the train. They're like, and you're sitting on the train. Why? Okay. I've been on this train like 
you know, a lot of people are going to feel that and be triggered that way. So everybody's going to have to be really careful. And I think that comes to this when we talk about educating the workplace now and leaders to be able to create safe environments, right? Your environment is only going to be as safe as the black people in your company believe it is, which means you're actually going to have to really find a way to have conversations with them and then we feel like, you know, it's almost like you're going to have to put it in writing. We will not fire you. We will not. Da, 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 this is really for that level of trust and them take it to their attorney and just take, is this real? Or are they going to blow me on this? Right? <laughs> well, enough, the thing is, this is not just to have a conversation because I wouldn't trust to have that conversation. And I can't expect anybody to just immediately trust to have that conversation with it. So a question for you to speak on behalf of all black people. <laughs> Because um, <laughs> I'm trying to help, right? Like I'm trying to, A, help myself selfishly, right? Okay. But I'm also thinking about educating my kids and how to educate my kids, but then also in the workplace. And I'm going to have people coming to me like, I'm terrified of saying the wrong thing. And anything I say, it's wrong. And then I just get attacked. And on some level, I want to just react with, okay, now wipe the tear and move on. So... There's a part of me that kind of wants to say, now get out of victim mode, right? But that's not going to actually help. When somebody's in shame, shaming them isn't going to help them get any further. It's just going to want them, they're going to want to protect themselves. So that's where, coming back to the statement, I made that organizational thing. As part of the diversity and inclusion initiatives and organizations, they're almost going to have to do what. Uh, some of the Indian tribes of years and years ago when they were negotiating, they bought a person from the tribe to be able to help them understand that this isn't going to be trusted. This isn't, so you're going to have to do more work, which I think when they put an inclusion team together or bring in inclusion consultants, they have to bring in ones who can talk to them for real on that, not just tick some theoretical boxes that you learn in um, a course. Do you know what I mean? You're going to have to deal with some of the real nitty gritties and putting in policies in place that really make people be protected and included, both. Unless that's taken on seriously as a course of doing business, I don't know. I don't know how you'll ever get there because it's like whites have to be sat down in essence and say, look, here's the education. Here are certain triggers. Now, when this happens, Understand where you're feeling like the victim all of a sudden. They've felt this for hundreds of years and they've been trained to handle it with no emotion that you can see. So you showing emotion is not going to endear you to them. Because what, Johnny come lately? You're, what, you want me to feel sorry for? Which actually should probably be our next topic of just like shifting in general and like... <laughs> Um, and, and that dynamic of misreading people's reactions and stuff, that should probably be our next topic. Because <laughs> um. it's this where it's, you know, it's, this is, this is why we have, let's continue the conversation. It's not one conversation. It's not one initiative. It's not two initiatives. It's not three initiatives. This is journeying. So in some ways, so I've got, I'm, an idea is brewing for my head. Okay. Mm-hmm. Might be a horrible idea. What's brewing in my head? Okay. 
So I'm thinking about this dynamic of let's make it a little bit more real, even for a scenario that we have is, is in like the scrum community. When someday we can actually be in an event together because my soul needs it. This extrovert's dying inside here. Okay. No. I'm pretty sure I yelled at my husband and it's all my fault and you have to deal with that, but I can't even get out of the house enough to process it long enough and not still be mad. So like, uh, I'm just, but let's just hope that someday I get to travel. You know, we get to travel. I get to hug you, right? Like that happened. But let's say we're at one of the, let's say the CST retreats. Okay. It's, uh, for those that are behind uh, terminology, uh, the certified scrum trainer retreats. And because as I've already acknowledged, right, some microaggressions can go right up my head. Others, I've heard enough that I'm like, oh, I see you. I see you now. It's almost like the ally of white people as a pack in my head right now of going, we're not all going to catch them all because we don't feel them. We don't feel the paper cut necessarily. And even if we can notice it, we still don't feel it, right? And so we almost need a wisdom of the crowd, a wisdom of the pack of white allies to go, no. And one of us might catch a part of it. And another one has to catch another part. And we almost have to do this without complete coordination, but be able to improv off of each other and and Mm -hmm. speak to it so that that work isn't being done by our Black community members, but by us. But any one person it's really challenging to spot them, to acknowledge the right part of the microaggression. So I'm, I'm in my head starting to think of, I think my approach up to this point has been a little bit more of individual conversations, private conversations, trying to avoid the shame to open up the doors, right? And in some ways, I am well suited for that, not just because of my skill sets, but I genuinely try and I'm not judging anyone because if I judge you, I have a bad path. I genuinely believe people can grow and learn and change because I have, and and I'm still going down that path. But I think that individual approach doesn't help in those moments when they're happening that I might not even see it in the larger. And because I'm doing it privately separate, it becomes not as much of a support Mm -hmm. visibly in that moment. So I've got to think through this a little bit, but like, it's almost like having to build a second ally community, not just be an ally. Yeah, it would be nice because I'll be honest with you. I have been in a couple of scenarios inside our community where I felt stuff, stuff's been said and I didn't call it out. I went in my regular mode of just. Did anyone call it out? Uh, oh God, I got to think about this. Let me go back. Can I miss it? Let me go back to the scenario. One scenario, somebody did address it, but not address it as what it was, if that makes sense. They had a good counter, but it wasn't addressing it for what it was like. It wasn't addressing the bias part, but it wasn't it was- addressing the bias part, wasn't addressing what's it, but still gave a, you know, good thing, but didn't address that. But it's the idea of, do we now? You know, um, and I'll throw this out to people listening now. Do we now really call it out? I mean, I was offended today about something and I didn't think I was offended. And then I realized I was offended later on. I shouldn't be excited to hear this, but I'm excited that you're sharing. So like, I realized that body language seemed weird. So I'm going to own that. I was, yeah. So I was like, 
and it hit me later because I realized somebody was getting ready to make an alliance with a group. A black person was getting ready to make an alliance with a group, with a group that doesn't do anything with blacks. And I'm like, hold on, you know me. Why wouldn't you have made that alliance with me instead of going and doing it with them who aren't doing anything for us? You know, they said, oh, well, you know, they reached out to me and blah, 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 blah. And I realized years ago that wouldn't have even bothered me. So it wasn't that she didn't reach out to me. It was the fact that she didn't consider that she should have. So this is going to sound like an oxymoron, right? Welcome to world. (laughs) We talk about the concept of wanting there to be no color. Nobody sees no color, right? So, So everybody's treated equal. Yet, now that I'm at the train station, I'm very aware people aren't treated equal. So I don't want to empower people who are empowering people like me. That's an oxymoron, right? Because now I'm kind of saying, see me, see me, see me, see me, recognize me, recognize me, recognize me. Which before I would say, don't see me, see human. Yeah. So where I, I listened to a podcast by Dr. Kendi the other day and where I think I've because I've gotten called on on that. Like, Trisha, you're talking about racial equity, but you keep just talking about black lives right now. And I'm like, well, A, I actually talk about all underrepresented dynamics in general. But yes, there's a concentration right now on black lives. And B, we can't achieve racial equity without acknowledging what's inequity, what's wrong right now. And the only way to acknowledge what's wrong is to see you, is to see those things, is to acknowledge that, or we can't achieve the other. And so that made it really aligned for me in terms of it's not actually incongruent. It's not actually an oxymoron in that we can't get to that goal where everybody is equal without acknowledging why and how people are not equal today. Yeah. I was listening to Martin Luther's speech again. In fact, I recorded it, you know, the speech. And then I went back and listened to a speech that isn't exploded as much. And it's one of the speeches people reckon got and killed was the one about true economic equality and how much that's needed. So earlier this year, I had said I was going to create a backlog of all the things that Martin Luther King had wanted to see and see how far we have got. Right. So I kind of started it, but you know, notes on paper and stuff. I haven't. But I, when I sat there and listened to it, I think it would be a really good project for the Agile community to do, you know, community as a whole, so that we could really begin to look at what we're doing and what could do. I talked to a fellow Black sister, so to speak, in the industry, and I was talking about women in Agile, and I was talking about how wonderful it was and how people were so open, and I was da 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 And she said, okay, sis, I hear you. I hear you. But still, where is the black person on the board? I don't see a black female on the board. And then she just started calling out all these different areas, right? And she goes, when they do that, then tell me they're serious. Until then, I'm not taking them seriously. And it was such a slap in my face, right? Because I said, 
Oh, I didn't know about that. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't, I hadn't thought of, I'm like, I didn't thought about that. I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. I was just so, oh, their hearts. I'm just seeing their hearts. Not, oh, <laughs> there should be action. Sorry. This is why it's important for black professionals to be having the conversations. So the person who's all kumbaya-ish, which I can be, right, gets the other side of, here's the implementation plan. Lizzie, Lizzie, goals, goals. Stop the emotion. Look, this is what we got to get. You know, who can point me back and show me where we're missing it, you know, kind of thing. So then I can be Miss Ambassador Aquan type of thing and <laughs> bring it to people's attention in a, probably in a way that's not threatening. Yeah. You know, so this is going to be one of those moments I go meta for a second and less conversation with Lizzie for a second. And um, so I'm going to own what's coming up for me in this is like, I have not been involved in the women in agile movement directly. Sometimes I go to the events and I don't feel much like a woman. <laughs> like, Because like, I just don't always feel like, oh, that's not what I'm concerned about. Right. Like, so I always walk out kind of wondering, am I a woman? And that's my thing that has nothing to do with that. I think it gets really hard, and this is a purely, again, I'm going to go meta, and what comes up for me internally and what I think comes up for a lot of people is like, it's hard to not hear that of like, but you don't have X, Y, and Z, and it's hard for me to not go, but we did do A and B and C, and like, and not wanting to diminish the hard work that might have been, and and I can't speak to women in Agile, but I'll give like an example. Like I had somebody that was highlighting some areas that could be improved and things like that and all true and stuff. But in that language of highlighting it, it was like, and you've done nothing. And in my head, I'm like, I put uh, Denise Jacobs was the first black keynote up on that stage. And like, I did that. Like, and I wanted, and I, which is so stupid. Right. And so that's why I'm going to share it out that, but it, it does go through my head of where's my cookies, right? Like my virtue signaling and, and it's not about getting that recognition for those things. Like, that's not really why it goes through my head. It's a matter of just feeling that defensive of as if we've just done nothing unless we do that. And that's the part that I, it still triggers in me. Like, I even hear that and I, and I know enough about women in Agile. I'm like, but they have done like, and I want, I feel like my, I feel that urge to do it. And that's where I have to just go, shut up, Trisha. It's not about that right now, because all of that can be true. And still that is true. It needs to get done. Right. But, but I wanted to go meta to highlight, like, that is something that I, even in all the different leadership positions, like, yes. And, and, and sometimes these take time. And like, and I, you know, like I declined my second term in November this past year in order to create space for more people of color onto the board, but that only went into effect and was announced yesterday. Right. Like, so, I mean, but I share that meta wise is because those feelings are going to come up when you hear, but you haven't done this. And you, this, 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 until this, I don't want to see it. I'm trying and I'm not great at it all the time. I just, you got to like, it's not about you. It's not about that effort. It's not that that effort's not appreciated. It means that's the goalpost and we're not stopping until we get to it. And that's an okay statement. And that is it. And some people were going to be held accountable to that. And I think when I go back and I listen to his speeches, that's what he kept saying is, no, 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 we're here, but not until we're there. 
when we're there, then we don't have to be having this conversation. And that's a hundred percent. But I wanted to own like for those that were watching, right? Like that is something that comes up and I do. But it's a human, but it takes a lot to get in a fight every God given day and sign up for it. For, for Do you understand that? It takes a damn lot. Like, so there are many moments, especially being in this country, I would have loved to have woken up and you all can hate me for saying this, but I'm just being honest. I'd love to have woken up and not been black. And just this day, I don't have to deal with that shit. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to, I can react any way and people laugh it off and see me as just strong and I deserve to be promoted and open doors to me. Instead of, you know, hearing consistently, oh, well, you know, Lizzie, thank you so much for volunteering, but we've met our volunteership now. and To the point where I remember saying to somebody, I have now got to the point where very rarely do I bother to volunteer for anything because I'm never going to get paid. You know, so it's kind of this constant idea now of, like I said, I'm at the train station. And I think there's many black professionals who were like me who are now at the train station too. Yes. Do you know what I mean? We're there. And so now there's going to be a greater demand. And I think it will shock some people because we who are now at the train station are the ones everybody was like, oh, they're different. <laughs> it doesn't make a question. See, we brought it all the way back around. Yeah. <laughs> see? That is that thing. You're so much different. You're different. I didn't see you as one, you know. I yes. And I've had that said to me. I have had that said to me. You know, Lizzie, we hired you because, you know, you were different. You're not like, you know, the rest. Yeah. And I've, I'm, yeah, I've had that. So a direct question for you as I continue to learn and try and grow with these things. So I, I'll make an offer and a question, I guess, is, is my offer to you is if you need to text me, if I miss that microaggression and I'm sitting there and I just don't see it, I am there. Right. There's a uh, great comment that's been made by Nicole in here saying, setting context for your statements. I may say something wrong, but I want to get better will make a huge difference. Right. But what I'm saying is, is if, if somebody else says something and I, and it goes, the contour goes right over my head again. <laughs> right. Well, if you don't have- I am willing and want to put myself, I just may not always catch them. But I am willing to continue to do that work and learn and grow with that. And that is my offer to you, to others with that. I might try and get a pack going, a little side community going to to aid with that. And then my question is, is there anything else I can be doing to better support? Because I know these microaggressions are a death by a thousand paper cuts and and they're exactly. I think that's a great analogy. I hadn't thought about that until you said I, it. I, I didn't different. come up with that. Somebody else did, and I don't know if I can source it right offhand. I just I finished. I was like, paper. yeah, that's a really good point because you don't see other people's paper cuts unless they hold them up and go, ah, just got paper cut. It's a very private kind of burn. So I, I think that's a really, really good way to put it because people could be in the room and never know. And that last little thing that seems so trivial to you is just the one of a thousand that they're. Yeah. And it could be the trigger that blows the. And I'm done. Come that. Oh, it's all coming. So my angry black and- woman, you got to be careful. This is why I really don't have many black friends. My black friend's different. She would never do that. I remember um, 
one of the biggest shocks for me when I came to America was the question I kept asking everybody was, where are the Indians in America? No, no, not the native. I, this was the way I called the real ones. Where are they? Um, well, like, where, where did they go? Did they not come to America? And I was really, really bent out of shape because my whole life, these are people I've had around me, right? So I've had the food I've had. It's just part of my, very much part of the British culture. And I came here and I just, I was like, what happened? But I remember going into meetings and having to have stern conversations with people afterwards about comments that were made about people and turning around and saying, you think you're a joke. There's, I, I, I make this comment all the time. And I say it a lot when I used to travel to India, which I probably won't be doing for a long time now due to COVID. But I used to make, always say this, understand you basically own the technology of the world. I always used to say, I said, but you guys just don't know it yet. But you do. <laughs> um, and that's when you find out. That's you actually know. one of the things that Dr. Kendi, uh, who wrote How to Be an Anti-Racist, um, highlighted his thing is, is one of his stance was, was not saying only white people have power because it dismisses the power that everybody does have. It may not be a majority power. It may not be a certain power that, that creates racism in different dynamics. He refuses to ever say, you don't have power. I so much believed in Agile, like I was doing my work to bring BIPOC to the table, right? I was opening doors. I was creating things. I was doing that. What I didn't really recognize or own, and I've talked about this in previous ones, so that's why I'm highlighting it, is that having a seat at the table doesn't mean you're being included. And and even in Agile, where we talk about wisdom of the crowd, we talk about collaboration, we talk about these things, it wasn't me really understanding that there is a difference between politics and human civil rights. And in the U.S. in particular, we have lumped that all together as if it's one thing. And I, I fell for it. I went down that path. I didn't want to have to have a Trump conversation. So let's just stay away from it. And I think that we're going to face that response because it's a long response that has happened for a long time. But I think that the more of us that can own that we once felt that way and why it's different, why we were wrong about that is going to help continue those conversations. So you are correct. In a face-to-face, it would happen as well as online. And I think that that's some of the way that the taboo way of keeping systematic oppression has gone down is by making it said, you don't talk about politics at work and human rights, not politics, in my opinion. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I remember there was a topic that came up and I felt very insulted by it, that what's happening to me out there, you're telling me I shouldn't discuss this and you're not going to have to deal with it as an agilist when it's going to mess with culture and and teams and team building. And these people in teams are going to be feeling this and we're all supposed to be coaches. Yeah, it was like, we're going to have this conversation. Sadly, or blessingly, I don't necessarily spend a lot of time Back there, I think when I was kind of in my, I'm in my house, I'm depressed. The world is falling down on me because of COVID. I was, I, I read there a lot more because I was just sitting down, um, not really doing anything. But I think it's going to, the challenge is going to be when we're seeing each other. And I now notice this, the awkward silences in Zoom. <laughs> when I'm in certain spaces, where I suddenly pop up on the screen and it's horrible. 
Um, and people don't realize that that energy comes across. So even if I haven't heard you say something, I'm feeling you think something. And so this is a long journey that we're on. What I'm excited about and the hope I have, and I shared this with women in Agile, is that there are more people aligning. And I believe, sorry for the men on the call, glad you're here, please bring others, but I do believe it's going to be women coming together that's going to make this big shift. I believe we have a tenacity and naggingness <laughs> that cannot, right, be overtaken by anything else. Brian, shut me up. <laughs> so if you bring together black sisters and we bring together white sisters and we bring together brown sisters and all of us as a sisterhood come together. I do believe we could stamp this thing out a lot faster than waiting for men to make legislation and rules around it. Just my personal belief, but I'm a bit of a feminist. Um, For all black people. (laughs) I just think that's what it is. If we could have done this on our own, we would have already. Because we don't want to stay this way. Yeah. You know, that's just the truth. So the more allies we get, the more we can make this a better place for my granddaughter, for the young kids who are coming up. Do you know what I mean? So what we're talking about, they'll be like, well, what are you talking about? That never happened. Why did that happen? Nah. You know, they can say those kind of stupid things. Thank you. Until next time, let's keep the conversation going. Yes, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Now, just because the episode is over doesn't mean the conversation has to stop. Come find us on Instagram at Let's Continue the Conversation and let us know what you thought of today's episode and what takeaways you're leaving with. And don't forget to help us spread the word. Screenshot the episode, add it to your Insta stories and tag us at Let's Continue the Conversation. You can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over on Let's Continue the Conversation.com. We look forward to continuing the conversation with you next time.